Every team, every topic, everywhere. This is Believe. Let's get it started in here. And the bass keeps running, running, and running. Five What's up, everybody? Episode 36 is a special episode. We've got Xander interviewing Jeff Meyer from Tough Enough, and we are brought to you by the Believe Podcast Network. Here we go, everybody. Let's get it started. Let's get it started. What's up? What's up, everybody? This is the opening line here, and we've got a, a very special guest on today. We are joined by Jeff Meyer, the CEO of Tough Enough. Um, so Jeff has been in, in the fighting industry for a long time, and we're really excited to have him on the show today. So well, what's going on, Jeff? How you doing? Oh, not much. Thanks very much for having me on. It's a real pleasure to talk to you, Xander, and uh, you know, thank you for making time for me. Yeah, man, absolutely. So as most of you guys know, you know, this is a sports show, and you know, it's been a little while since we've had a guest on, but you know, Roz and I have been um you know, really interested in just, you know, combat fighting in the UFC in general. So we're very lucky to be joined by, you know, a man who's been in the industry for 25 years, um, promoting combat sports, and he's from the Chicagoland area. So Jeff, um, can you give us a little background on, you know, what got you started in combat sports and how, you know, how you came to, um, you know, get involved with Tough Enough, this really great, you know, combat sports fighting company that you've got going for you? Well, gosh, yeah, I'm happy to, and thanks for asking. Um, as you mentioned, I'm from Chicago. I grew up in Arlington Heights, and then my uh, family moved to Long Grove. So believe it or not, Tough Enough's very first show was June 18th of 1994 in our high school gym at Stevenson High School, which is in uh, Lincolnshire, Illinois. Um, so the, the very first event dates all the way back 25 years, as you mentioned, and I'd like anyone listening uh, to know that Tough Enough was started by my brother, Barry Meyer. Um, <clears throat> we were both karate kids growing up. He was much more so uh, involved. And, and I say that because he was like a black belt in karate at 12 years old. And most of my childhood was spent driving around the Midwest, like I think like Wisconsin, um, Indiana, maybe as far as Ohio, going to like karate tournaments. So for um, us as little kids, you know, I was following in his footsteps. I got uh, my black belt in Taekwondo as well. Um, and so when the very first UFC happened in June of 1993, we were both aware of the event and uh, we both watched it live. And um, my brother's quoted as saying in years past that it was love at first fight. <laughs> I mean, it, it was like a light bulb went off in both of our heads. And we knew that it was, you know, kind of truth in martial arts, if you will. It showed which discipline, whether it was, you know, karate or judo or wrestling or jujitsu, or which of the different martial arts was really the, the most practical in a street fight. 
And we kind of realized quickly that, oh boy, all this black belt stuff that we thought, you know, we were so tough <laughs> was probably not that practical in a street fight. Um, so as I mentioned, it was sort of love at first fight. My brother knew it was something that he wanted to do. And um, I've always, you know, being his little brother, uh, supported anything that he did. And likewise, he was nice enough to allow me to participate and help him with the event. So unfortunately, my brother passed in 2013. Um, and I've been trying to keep tough enough going sort of in his honor and, and to keep his legacy going because, well, he stood for doing things the right way. Um, it, it's an honor to be able to talk about him and thanks, you know, I get a little emotional. I'll get past it in a second, but I want you guys to please know in, you know, the world of boxing and MMA, um, you know, a lot of times in the past, the people have had pretty bad reputations and it, being promoters anyway, ha has had like a negative connotation. Mm -hmm. And my brother was always referred to as like one of the last honest promoters. <laughs> um, so, you know, he kind of taught me how to do things along the way, the right way. Um, and uh, so, you know, getting back to answer your question, how did it all start? Well, <laughs> we were finance guys i mean to pay the bills i was working at the commodity at the, the chicago mercantile exchange um and my brother was working off of the floor in a sales room selling commodity futures and stuff like um trading advisors and things like that mm -hmm. but we always knew in the back of our mind really my brother did that promoting is what he wanted to do so we got um you know a little bit of uh funds together and promoted our very first event in in chicago and uh, over the years it's been kind of um like a hobby you know we had investment uh world jobs for many many years but we promoted events kind of like one-offs here and there in the chicago area um and then we got licensed in nevada you know las vegas being the, uh, the fight capital of the world if you will um, when we got licensed here in Nevada in 2002 was when we first started doing events here. So thanks, Xander. I, sorry to get a little emotional there about my brother, but of course I miss him. And it, being that your listeners might be from Chicago, um, you know, have such great memories of growing up there with my brother. So thanks for letting me talk about him. Yeah, no, absolutely, Jeff. And I, we can just tell that you know, you've got so much passion about what you're doing and, you know, the kind of impact that your brother's had on you. So we really appreciate, you know, all, all the emotion and what you have, you know, behind, you know, the company and what you grew up, um, you know, doing with your brother. So, you know, get getting back to Stevenson High School, you know, a lot of the listeners here, uh, you know, my co-host and I went to Deerfield High School. So right down the street. So it's so interesting yeah. that you know, you've brought these couple fights in a Stevenson gym all the way out to, like you said, the fight capital of the world in Las Vegas. Um, so just out of curiosity, Jeff, you started in Stevenson, got to a couple fights in Chicago, got out to Las Vegas. You know, when did you realize that, you know, this thing that you and your brother had going on was, you know, kind of taking off and getting to this next level to become, you know, one of the most widely recognized companies um, in combat sports in the industry? Uh, that's a really good question. Thanks. I mean, <clears throat> it's sometimes almost like daunting when I think about it. I, it's such a nice compliment, and I try so hard to keep tough enough at a level where, you know, it can stay that way. Um, but I think that the, the turning point, if you will, 
um, was when Tough Enough lobbied the Nevada State Athletic Commission in around 2007 Mm -hmm. to get amateur MMA approved because at the time you couldn't do amateur MMA. It wasn't legal in Nevada. And so my brother lobbied the commission like he brought some doctors and some sanctioning um, body representatives to make presentations. And he he was successful in getting it approved. So in 2008, Tough Enough did its very first amateur event. And it was all straight amateurs. Um, and we've done many pro-am, you know, with like both professional and amateur fighters. Mm-hmm. But my brother said, I remember it really well. He's like, well, what do we do differently now that we you know, are going to do amateurs? And I said, gosh, I, I, I don't know. I mean, <laughs> let's keep it the same. So we kept like the video production, the lights, the sound, the look, like everything is sort of, um, I would like to say, as some, somewhat the same feel as you would find at a professional show, mm-hmm. but at the amateur level. So we've been kind of known, we call our shows the future stars of MMA. And we've kind of got a reputation for being um, very fair matchmakers. You know, we, we make fights that are very fair. Mm-hmm. And we put, uh, you know, really high quality events for these athletes to experience and grow in their careers. Because, you know, let's face it, hopefully they, these guys and girls are going to be fighting in the UFC someday. And that's their goal. Well, we've tried to show them kind of as close to that as we can afford, uh, you know, with uh, lack of a better explanation for it. I think that the the turning point, as I mentioned, was probably when we got amateur approved in Nevada. Um, and then it's also important to note, if I can brag a little tiny bit, please, yeah, I'd like to say absolutely. Ronda Rousey. <laughs> Thanks. Um, the most, probably one of the most famous fighters in the world ever, Ronda Rousey, um, fought for Tough Enough as an amateur twice before she made it big. And she credits my brother for saving her, fr- her, for fi- um, saving her fight career because at the time nobody was fighting her. Like she kept having all these matchups fall off um, at the last minute. And she was like, I, nobody's going to fight me. Well, we were able to find her two fights back to back. And um, the next thing you know, she's like walking around with a UFC championship belt. And Dana White's wearing a T-shirt with her picture of just her face on it. Um, so I think you could kind of say that as her stock rose, uh, tough enough stock also rose a little bit um, because her her fight videos I uploaded to our YouTube channel and they've got something like 5 million views combined on just those two fights alone. Um, so, you know, I'm so proud of her and happy to see the success that she has, you know, made for herself now in WWE and it, it was like movies and all this and all that. Um, but I think that, you know, it's important to give credit where credit's due. You know, she helped tough enough a lot as well. Yeah, and that, that's such a great point, Jeff. I was actually um, thinking about mentioning Ronda Rousey because anybody who has watched, you know, fighting or UFC and like you mentioned, WWE, she is one of the biggest names in the sport. And the fact that she got started um, with Tough Enough, I, I think that that's so cool for the both of you guys that you, you've both seen the rise of, you know, both careers in that sense. And Jeff, you know, I, I wanted to brag on you a little bit as well because you know, back in, I believe it was 2014, um, you got inducted into the Hall of Fame. So I'm not sure if I got that date right, but can you, can you tell us a little bit about, um, you know, what that was like for you getting getting inducted? 
Yeah, thanks. I'm actually looking at this, uh, like, glass thing, uh, very fancy, like, trophy kind of looking thing that they gave me. <laughs> um, yeah, it was in 2014, and it was a real honor. I think that they did that as a way, to, you know, the, the the category was, like, contribution to the martial arts. And I, and, and I think that it was a real honor to have a, an organization like as prestigious as the martial arts, you know, hall of fame, recognize the importance for amateur, because look, most major sports have been around for a hundred plus years in America. Right. You know, mm -hmm. it's like it, it, our sport is still in its infancy and the amateur ranks as important as, you know, the professionals are, I think that the amateurs also hold a very important part to the development of the fighter's career. Right, right, right. And that, that's such an interesting point. And I wanted to ask you, Jeff, you know, and before people make it big in almost any sport, I mean, there's a, you know, minor leagues and baseball, you know, looking at football, you know, you've got like a college that is the next step is the NFL. But what's it like for you seeing, you know, some of these amateur fighters just getting started out, you know, their mindset, and you know, I'm sure you've talked to plenty of them, you know, what's it like from your eyes um, as the head of Tough Enough, seeing some of these fighters really get their start? I, I feel like that's got to be an interesting spot for you. Uh, it's a really cool feeling, and thanks for asking, because I'd like to say this. Like, I don't have kids, so I almost feel like a proud papa when I see <laughs> these kids. They've been training so hard. This is like their dream in life, right? So sometimes we get fighters that have never fought before. Mm -hmm. And uh, oftentimes we'll get the top, top, top amateurs in the country right before they go pro. So when I see a fighter that's entering the tough enough cage for the first time and maybe at any cage for their first time, you know, I have to tip my hat and give credit to them for putting in the hard work and all the dedication to get there. But I think a more satisfying or maybe equally satisfying thing is watching them fight when they get to the next level. Um, so I'd like to please tell you real quickly a fun story at UFC 221. Okay. Um, the very first fight was Jamie Moyle versus Emily Whitmire. <clears throat> These are both former Tough Enough champions that um, I'm, I'm personally friends with them both, and uh, I really wanted to go to that one. So, like, I said, I emailed Dana White's assistant, and I said, hey, um, I'd really like to please see this fight. That's the only fight that I can stay for. Uh, because I have like a USC viewing party that I have to go to. Mm -hmm. And is there any way I could please like get one wristband? And I kind of knew what I was doing. I knew that, you know, a wristband, they could probably stick me somewhere close to the cage. Well, sure enough, I got there and they came, the security people came out and escorted me and they're walking me back. And I overheard one of them say, yeah, he's going to Dana White's table. And that's when I knew that I was sitting at Dana White's table at the cage and like, as we were walking, everybody's like looking at me. Who's that guy? I'm like thinking, I don't even know how this is happening, but I'm going with it and I'm just going to go. So I got to sit there right at the cage to my right was like Joe Rogan, who I've known forever. Um, Bruce Buffer came over and gave me a big hug. Um, I, Bruce Buffer actually was tough enough announcer a couple of times in Vegas before he signed exclusively with the UFC. Um, so Anyway, that was a really fun experience getting to watch them fight at the UFC on a pay-per-view. Um, you know, it's sort of like I, I would call it a, a proud papa moment. 
Yeah, no, absolutely. And you, you talk about some of those names, you know, Joe Rogan, Dana White, Bruce Buffer. You know, when you think of combat sports and fighting, I mean, th those are some of the names at the top of the list. And now, you know, Jeff Meyer as well, that we learned about you and tough enough. So that, that is such a great story, Jeff. And then, you know, looking at the future of combat sports, I know you mentioned that it's still basically in its infancy when you compare it to some of the other major sports out there. So, you know, for the sport in general, you know, what do you see as the future and, you know, how, you know, tough enough in the UFC can grow? What's your, what's your thought on, you know, the next step for the industry? Uh, thanks for asking. I mean, I think that similar to uh, the most uh, the closest comparison would be boxing, and they've had, you know, golden gloves mm -hmm. uh, to the amateur boxing forever. I, uh, I I think that our sport needs something like that, and I'm happy to tell you that there are a few organizations that come to mind, um, both nationally and internationally, that Tough Enough has worked with. Um, so basically, at the amateur level, there needs to be uh, unified rules, and there has to be a natural progression of talent. In other words, like uh, championship tournaments to find out who is really the best fighter in the United States as an amateur. Mm -hmm. um, we're working towards that. And I'm happy to tell you that, as I mentioned, we've worked with a couple of these organizations in the past for three years straight. Tough Enough was actually promoting amateur fights inside the UFC octagon at the UFC Fan Expo here in Vegas. I mean, wow. it was an incredible experience. We were promoting the world championships of amateur mixed martial arts. So it was like we had 62 countries send delegates and it was really an amazing thing. So I think that, you know, to answer your question, the future of our sport, both professionally and um, as an amateur is going to become, is going to start with the, um, some of these organizations unifying all the rules and the, ch and the championship titles mm -hmm. so that a, true national champion can then be crowned. Um, but I'd also like to note that the International Mixed Martial Arts Federation, which we did that um, big tournament with, is also tasked with getting legislation approved in other countries, right? So right. I know that they got MMA legalized in Poland, and then like uh, maybe a month later, I saw a press release, UFC scheduled bouts in Poland. Um, so... They, there's, I think, a lot of international acceptance still of our sport that needs to happen. Mm -hmm. And, for example, in France, it's still illegal. Um, so I think that the, the future of our sport is certainly great. Um, I think that it's it's going to even, you know, explode again in terms of popularity. Um, just uh, at, the, at the current moment, the state of affairs, I think, is – um, you know, a bit more international. Um, I, I feel like as soon as they uh, get this um, International Mixed Martial Arts Federation, they're, they're turning out world champions, then the USA will have, uh, I think, a, a little bit more of a organized, you know, organization and a path towards that world championship. Um, so the United States right now has a few different sanctioning bodies, um, I, I'm very fond of uh, the ISKA, which is the International Sport Karate Association, mm -hmm. and they sanction amateur and professional events. Uh, they've been sanctioning tough enough forever. Um, and then another one that I'm fond of is the um, it's uh, USF MMA, and that's uh, headed by a guy named Justin Brown, um, who's who's similarly work, similarly working really hard to unify. 
the United States amateur circuit. So what if I had my crystal ball and I could look, you know, 10 or 20 years down the road, I would hope that our sport's much bigger. And I would hope that you'll see a ton of main event pay-per-view fighters that started with Tough Enough. Yeah, and uh, you know, there's no doubt in my mind that, Jeff, that's going to happen and you are the right man for the job. I mean, everybody who's listening, you can just tell how much passion that Jeff has for the sport. And I, I definitely agree with him that, you know, this sport is just in its infancy right now and can really have a worldwide impact on combat sports in general. So, Jeff, thank you so much for bringing up that point. And, Jeff, I wanted to dive into a little bit of like a day-to-day um, hosting, promoting an event. You know, what's that like for you as a CEO of Tough Enough, um, uh-huh. putting on an event? Uh, you know, I'm, I'm sure you got a lot of stuff going on, but take us a little bit through what it's like for you putting on an event, um, you know, being the head of the company right now. Oh, thanks. Yeah, I mean, look, I um, <clears throat> I think it's important to note that if you like something and you do that for work, it's not really work, right? So I enjoy it, and I look very forward to the event days. I have a ton of gray hair in my head because of that, you know, but to answer your question a day, uh, a typical event day starts off by um, checking in with the venue. I mean, first and foremost, there will be like lots of crews arriving very early, setting up stuff, cages, chairs, uh, you know, um, all the video and lighting and all that stuff. So, I like to go and just make sure that everybody's fine, put out any like little fires that might start early. Mm-hmm. And then I run around and I collect all the stuff that was printed <laughs> um, because <clears throat> we do our weigh-ins the day before the event, right? So like we pass out a program at the events for free to everybody and it has the fight uh, card, you know, who's fighting in there. But because the fights might change at the very last minute on, you know, at weigh-ins, we don't print our stuff until the day of. So I'm like typically running around. I got to pick up the, see the programs, the round cards, the t-shirts, <laughs> a variety <laughs> of different stuff. Yeah. Um, and I'm happy to say I do have a good team behind me that helps and runs around town and picks up all this stuff. Um, but most importantly is I think it's, it's um, important for me to be at the venue by three o'clock. And, and, and that's because, that's when our vendors and sponsors are arriving. Mm-hmm. Um, the truth is in Vegas, it's a comp town. Like my cousin from Deerfield is coming out here this Thursday and she asked me for, what did she ask? Chris Angel tickets, <laughs> Thunder Down Under, this, that. I got her six tickets to Thunder uh, to uh, Chris Angel, two tickets to Thunder Down Under and $1,000 in food credit at one of the restaurants at MGM um, because this Vegas is a comp town. When you live here, it's like you're just, you kind of, you know, someone who knows someone who knows someone, right? So um, it's, uh, it, it's somewhat difficult to promote. Uh, it, and, uh, you know, if you can't rely on ticket sales, you must rely on sponsors. So that's why I think it's like so important even <clears throat> to get there, you know, a little bit earlier than they're going to start showing up. Just to show them, hey, I'm here. Uh, if anything you need, I'm right here. Uh, and then from then on, <clears throat> you know, it's going to be the usual, like, we have a tab in a spreadsheet called Day of Ticks. Mm-hmm. And that's going to be like, you know, people who didn't request tickets or like, let's say <clears throat> my friend, let's call him Joe, requested four tickets. 
But on the day of the event, he says, oh, I'm sorry, I need five. Well, we've already done all the tickets. Like the day before, everything's in envelopes and ready to go. So now for me to go back and dig out this guy, Joe's tickets, find out who's sitting, where's the ticket that's next to these four so I can try to, you know, that's like the biggest pain in the butt and um, can drive a promoter crazy. (laughs) (laughs) But I think that, uh, you know, once the – Vendors start arriving. The the event starts to kind of put itself together. Like they'll set up their really cool booths, and and um, then the the line will start to form. And for me, that's always like a huge compliment when I see people waiting to get into my event. I mean, it's like they have a lot of entertainment options and can do a million other things. So for them to like actually sit around and wait to come into Tough Enough, it's a real honor. Um, but, you know, once the doors open, we generally do doors open at six. Mm-hmm. That's when it's like a madhouse. There's millions of people milling around. Everybody's, hey, Jeff, hey, Jeff, we need this, we need that, we need this, we need that. <laughs> and, uh, <laughs> you know, I try my best to keep up with it all. But as I mentioned, I have a really strong team beside me who does help out. Um, we're a very small company, but on the day of the event, we have like a huge, you know, staff of uh, paid and volunteer people. Mm-hmm. who are, um, you know, really great at what they do. So once the event kind of starts, my job, I think, is to kind of, what do they call it, shake hands and kiss babies, if you will. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. <laughs> you know, <laughs> just to make sure everybody's having a good time. Do I, can you, do you need anything? Is there anything that I can do? To, as I said, look, I think the, the sponsors in Vegas are the most important um when we do, we've done shows in other cities and we don't have the problem of like ticket sales. So in Vegas, <laughs> I think my primary focus on event day is, okay, make sure that the event's going to go off well, but um, also to make sure that the sponsors are taken care of as best they can, which reminds me, um, I'd like to please mention that we do broadcast our events on TV, um, a channel called Be In Sports Network. So Typically, we'll do our events uh, the following week, like tape delayed. So uh, like our event on September 6th was broadcast on September 12th. So I'd invite anybody listening to please check us out on TV, uh, on BN Sports Network. Um, our next event's October 12th, and that'll probably air the following weekend on October, what would that be? This uh, The 18th. 18th, right, right, right. Yeah, so that's uh, that's great. We're we're definitely gonna promote um, the events, Jeff. And I know there there's a couple other places where we can find you as well. Um, any like Instagram, Twitter handles, uh, Facebook pages. Where else can we find Tough Enough and you know learn a little bit more about uh, you know the company and what you guys are doing? Yeah, well, please feel free to do the you know at symbol and then Tough Enough spelled T U F F N U F F on like almost all those social media, Instagram, Twitter. Uh, Facebook. However, our YouTube channel, I remember I started it on January 9th of 2009. I remember because I ran home after an event and I told my brother, I was like, I think we got to start putting stuff up on YouTube. (laughs) And um, unfortunately, tough enough, the name for the channel was either taken or maybe I registered it years ago and forgot what email or something. So on YouTube, it's tough enough. And then the letters TV at the end. Gotcha. Gotcha. So yeah, everybody who's listening, you know, follow Tough Enough on Instagram, Twitter, Facebook, check out the YouTube channel, check out the fights after they air. 
We are on the line with Jeff Meyer, Martial Arts Hall of Famer, CEO of Tough Enough, the best amateur mixed martial arts organization in the world, been in business for 20 years as a combat sports organization. And Jeff, thank you so much for coming on the opening line today. We are so excited to have you on and can't wait for everybody to hear this interview because you've been great. And, you know, we're hoping that you know, martial arts, you know, the sport continues to grow and we know that you're the right guy to do it. So thank you so much for your time, sir. And thank you so much for coming on. Oh, thank you very much for having me, Xander. It's a real pleasure to talk to you. I sure hope that uh, anybody that's listening, if you come to Vegas, please come to a show or look us up on TV. And who knows if things go well, maybe we'll be in a city near you. I have expansion plans for next year um, in Chicago. I miss Portillo's. I miss <laughs> Chinatown. <laughs> I would really love to do a show there with you guys. Yeah, absolutely. We're going to have that, uh, the Italian beef and the cake shake from Portillo's ready for you. And then uh, also know right. Rana Japan fans. So uh, we'll have all oh, that yeah. good stuff coming. Um, so yeah, <laughs> thank you again, Jeff. Really appreciate it. And uh, we'll talk to My you pleasure. Soon. Thank you for having me, Xander. And I hope you have a great day. And look forward to being in touch again soon. Absolutely. What's your motto? Everyone want that lotto. Things ain't out of, I know. You're moving by the bolo, it's the way. When you're moving by the bolo, it's the play. Break, break, break down. What's your motto? Everyone want that lotto. You forgot, I know. You're moving by the bolo, it's the way. When you're moving by the bolo. Get up, get a moving it. Feel the baseline with the groove in it. Shit, the buzz ain't losing it. I'm an next thing, I'm proving it. Talk about how I'm full of it. Bro, but I'll still be bold to rich. You wanna know how I'm doing this? Listen, man, I'm moving by the bolo. We're moving by the bolo. When you're moving, when you're moving, man. We ain't gonna lose it. Watch how I'm moving. Watch how I move, I move, I just can't help myself What's your motto? Everyone want that lotto Things ain't auto, I know You're moving by the bolo, that's your way When you're moving by the bolo, that's the flow What's your motto? Everyone want that lotto You forgot, I know You're moving by the bolo When you're moving by the bolo Get them all aboard, move that thing on the heart of course And I'm back with the business, and the big road on route to the promised land Get that involved, ooh, Dragon Ball Z when we stir it up, superpowers, murder I got you now, you feel the buzz, I got you serious Now you are so curious, I'll let you experience Party on this open gym, we hanging on my shoulder cause you know we Just gon' let it go. You just gon' let it go. We ain't gon' lose it. Watch how I'm moving. We ain't gon' lose it. Watch how I move. I move. I just can't help myself. What's your motto? 
Everyone want that lotto. Things ain't auto. I don't. You moving by the bolo, that's your way up. When you moving by the bolo, that's the play up. What's your motto? Everyone want that lotto. You forgot I don't. You moving by the bolo. When you moving by the bolo. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube.